Hello, hello, I am Matt Williamson. This is the Locked On NFL Podcast. How is everyone this fine day? We are recapping some week three action. And as we do every Monday, we're going to bring on a few of the wonderful people from the Locked On Network. Right now, we have Jeff Lloyd from the Browns, my former team I put a year in with in Cleveland. And much, much, we could have, we could spend hours talking about the Browns this year. Jeff, how are you? Uh, very good, very good. Uh, yeah, there's there's certainly no shortage of topics, uh, and you know everybody's kind of getting to see him on the national scene. Every uh, every preseason game is you know been nationally televised. It has been or will be nationally televised. So uh, certainly, uh, you know, uh, definitely a hot topic right now. Yeah, no doubt. And like you said, I mean, every anyone could have watched, and most of us did watch the five uh, <laughs> zero yeah. baseball game against the Eagles. Any quick takeaways from that game? Obviously, a defensive driven affair. I think the defense needed it. Um, yeah. You know, that was part of what happened last year. Was you know there was some times without without Miles Garrett, there was some times without Emmanuel Ogba, there was times without Jamie Collins, and and I think people were kind of sleeping on what the defense could be because you know they were never playing with all eleven. Obviously, you're never going to play with all eleven, but now there's more teeth to it. You know, they can go 15, 16, 17 deep with guys they have no problem giving meaningful reps to, and that's what you saw on on Thursday night. I mean, they were rotating in, rotating out. Uh, you know, everybody was getting in. You know, Jannard Avery is obviously looking like he's going to be a ridiculous draft steal for them, uh, be able to do some things on the outside. You know, the defensive tackles are known mostly for run blocking, but when you can put somebody else outside of Miles Garrett, it's just going to make so- it just so much easier. And you saw a guy like Caleb Brantley consistently getting pressure on the quarterback Thursday night. Yeah, great call on Avery. He looks terrific. I really liked him coming out of school. He can do a lot of different things for you, come off the edge, linebacker. Um, you mentioned Garrett as well. He might be the best defensive player in the league if we have this conversation a year from now. I mean, I think he's potentially that good. Yeah, he is. And the thing is, I mean, obviously you know, the athleticism was off the charts, which we all knew. But now you know, he's you know, starting to build a repertoire. Obviously, you know, a year of you know, getting to know Joe Thomas and talking with Joe Thomas from football there. You know, be able to get his hands inside and just shove a tackle back. And then once there's that separation, there's no, there's no left tackle in the game who can get it back. If Miles Garrett gets that space on you, it's over. Yeah, he just abused Vitae in this game. I mean, made it look yep. easy. Um, well, I'd be remiss if we didn't talk about the quarterback situation. I mean, I wouldn't have taken Bay- Baker Mayfield to first overall, but I think he looks really, really good, and I'm coming around on him for sure. Uh, they keep saying Taylor's going to be the starter, and I understand that. I mean, the beauty of Taylor is the turnover problem in Cleveland last year was just insane. And Taylor alone as a quarterback will solve the majority of that for better or worse. My hunch is Taylor starts versus Steelers, then the saints probably Owen two, and then it's Baker time. What's your hunch? The only thing where I think that's tough is I don't know if you're because week three is going to be the Thursday night game with the Jets. Oh yeah, so I'm yeah, not yeah, sure, right. yeah. So I'm not sure if you're going to maybe go there, but then now you've got a nice ten day stretch. Okay. You're going to see where you're at, and you know that would probably, in my opinion, be the first open window. But I, I don't, I do believe them when they say they're okay with Tyrod Taylor right now. It is not a knock on Baker Mayfield. It's not, um, but still, you have Josh Gordon just getting back into the fold here. And, you know, this isn't against Baker or anything, but you are putting in a new offensive system. Um, everybody, skill-wise, their lives are going to get easier with Josh Gordon being here. If he can continuously attack the deep thirds of a secondary, it's just going to make everybody's life so easy. And it may make Tyrod look pretty good where you're going to say, well, why are we going to yank away from a good thing? Yeah. Um, I did agree with you. Uh, in me, me personally, I thought Josh Rosen was the best thrower of the football in this draft. I honestly thought they were going to take Sam Darnold. 
I think at the end of the day, what it came down to for them was, is this guy is 23. We know every drop of what Baker Mayfield is right now. The other guys, you know, all being 21, being underclassmen, uh, there were some, you know, can Sam Darnold clean up his footwork? Can he get his arm release higher? You know, Josh Rosen, you know, there may be some of the questions off the field weren't warranted, but they were there about what type of guy he was. Mm -hmm. You know, Josh Allen, can he clean it all up underneath so that his big arm is a great thing? I think they passed on the what ifs of the 21 year olds and said, we know what Baker is right now today. And for us, that's good enough. We're going to go with it. Yeah, I hear it. And you, you see it on hard knocks. Obviously, he has charisma, leadership. We all knew that. And my wonder, you know, back when in the draft process was going on was, How's that going to rub, you know, 30-year-old offensive guards that have three kids at home and 15 million <laughs> in the bank, you know, like, but I, I, you get the impression and Hard Knocks is, you know, what they want to show us, but still it reveals a lot that he really is a good guy and in it for the right reasons and people will follow him. I, I think, you know, I mean, it, it's what you saw was a, a college guy. Right. And I think, you know, I, I think he did enough, you know, and spoke with enough people. And the thing that didn't, I wasn't so worried about, you know, as, you know, because as it went on, I mean, he was in L.A. I mean, he was training with, you know, training with a bunch of established pros. You know, you know first preseason of the game, Odell Beckham went out of his way to go say, you know, hi, Baker Mayfield, take catch up because they had already known each other. So I think, you know, he maybe understood and probably on his effort, he understood maybe he was going to need to tone it down a little bit. There was a certain way it was going to be. But it doesn't seem like it's been an issue, and he certainly made the adjustments. And it seems like all these guys are – and the guys in the locker room were so starved for quarterback play. They're thrilled to have both of them. Yeah, and that makes perfect sense. Um, and they do complement one another, and I do think Taylor's just you know being – his conservative nature, his lack of turnovers, it makes you competitive. You just can't compete at that level of losing the turnover battle. Um, another volatile piece, and you brought him up earlier – Josh Gordon now returns. Do you have a feel for where he is as a player? Um, they said he's not the immediate starter. I'm not sure I believe that. <laughs> you know, what, what do you think? Um, I think, like, you know, I, what it is and what you see, you know, Jarvis Landry, very good underneath. Uh-huh. Um, obviously, you know, Duke Johnson, great in his role. I think David Najoku is going to explode. But I, I think you just, you know, and, and kind of, you know, not saying that Josh is that type, but I think you kind of need the straw that stirs the drink. And I think that's what Josh gives you because Jar- Jarvis Landry's, you know, doesn't make his money down the field. No, right. You know, Duke Johnson doesn't. So somebody's going to have to attack, you know, defensive secondaries vertically. And that is what Josh Gordon can do. You know, where he's at with his head, I mean, I'm not even sure Josh Gordon really knows where he's at with his head. The guy has been through a lot for, you know, the age he is. So, but, you know, I think he kind of just wanted, didn't want the, the huge spotlight that Hard Knocks was going to bring. You know, just wanted to get his mind right. You know, he, he put it, he, obviously, if anybody's got an Instagram account, you know Josh Gordon was working out and putting the work in. That's never really been the question. Um, but, you know, now the pressures are here. And, you know, the, the Cleveland Browns are going to expect him to be the best Josh Gordon he can be for 17 weeks. Can he do that? Because this franchise, these, these quarterbacks, these other guys around him, they need it. They need him because it's all going to gel. And it's going to gel really well if Josh Gordon can be there. They don't have to score as much as they did you know, in years past, the way this defense is, and like you kept bringing up the turnovers, they won't turn the ball over much, which will help them because their defense is going to, you know, they're not going to get scored upon a lot. So, you know, if they can get themselves to 17, 20 on the scoreboard week in, week out, it's going to result to Ws. Yeah, and I think that term, the straw that serves the drink, is the proper way to look at Gordon if he's at his best. You know, he's absolutely yep. that type of receiver. And there's maybe only 10 of those guys in the league, you know, that really do it all, game changers, half the game plan around, 
But I also think Njoku could offer that sooner than later as a tight end. I mean, I think he has great breakout potential. I'd be stunned if David Njoku doesn't score eight to ten touchdowns this year. Yeah. Um, the problem is, is who, who covers him? Uh, you know, you saw, I mean, the Giants game is a prime example. You know, Alec Ogletree, who's viewed as a pretty athletic linebacker, didn't stand a chance. Right. You know, there he is in the back of the end zone with a couple of safeties. There was nothing anybody can do. Um, you can probably, I mean, you know, you can line probably, you know, you can line him out. You can throw, you know, uh, back shoulder throws. There's nothing a cornerback's going to do about that. Um, he, he should really, in, that's kind of what disappointed me a little bit about Thursday night is, look, I mean, if you're not going to have jo- Josh Gordon, you know, then David Najoku should probably be your feature receiver, not Jarvis Landry. You know, feed him the more touches, I mean, more reps and stuff like that. So just, you know, keep working Najoku in. I mean, the guy's an absolute monster. You keep in mind his size, at, you know, almost six foot five, probably 255. And he's got the athletic ability of a wide receiver. Just an insane, insane athlete. Yeah, he really has the total package physically, and I think he could be a massive breakout guy. Jeff, this was a blast. We could do this for another hour without without a question, but just wanted to touch on a few things with you like this. Where can everyone find you in addition to the Locked On Browns podcast? Well, you know, obviously, guys, you can follow the account, the Locked On Browns podcast, uh, Twitter account. I keep it a follow-back account. It's the best way to interact with the fans. Follow me personally, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Uh, everything you would need over there. Uh, we're getting really excited. I mean, you know, it, it's, I know Cleveland fans year in, year out. Oh, well, maybe this is the year. I, I, I'm really I, I'm really starting to buy in. I really am because, you know, I'm sitting down here trying to predict the 53, and, and I'm at about 60, and I'm just thinking, <laughs> I, and I'm stumped. I'm stumped as to, to lose seven guys right now. So pr- pretty impressed with what they're doing, and uh, we're going to need to get you hopefully on uh, Locked on Browns before week one against the Steelers, man. Yeah, let's do that. I do a ton of Steelers stuff. I've been living at the, live the Steeler camp. I do a bunch of Steelers radio, so – I am your uh, your expert for that one for sure. Uh, you mentioned the roster. I would have killed to have that Browns roster the year that I put in in Cleveland. And speaking of rosters, for those of you that aren't aware of it still, this is what we're going to be doing every Monday. We're going to have locked on folks on throughout the, the podcast. And then Tuesday, I got Sage Rosenfels every week. I got Mike Renner from Pro Football Focus on Wednesdays. I got my buddy Mike Sando every Thursday. And then pretty soon we'll be picking games, you know, every Friday. So, that's what we're bringing to you here on the Locked On NFL Podcast. Jeff, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, Matt, pleasure. Have, uh, you know, thanks for having me. And, uh, you know, look, it's time to get excited here. I mean, uh, you know, kids are going back to school. Labor Day weekend, next weekend. Every moment I, in my house is said, I'm excited. <laughs> thanks again, dude. You got it. Have a blast, buddy. We are brought to you by The Athletic. Now, I've told you about these guys before. And I have some personal experience. I know a handful of their beat writers that do exceptional work. I got to know Mark Caboli, the Steelers beat writer for The Athletic, quite well. Up at camp, especially this past year, but also well before that. He does exceptional work. And it's just one great example of what The Athletic can give you. So if you go to theathletic.com right now, theathletic.com slash NFL, all one word, you get 40% off your first year subscription. That's only $2.99 a month. So it's a heck of a deal. I mean, The Athletic is a subscription-based publisher of smarter sports coverage for diehard fans. Their model is very, very simple. There's no ads, no pop-ups, no autoplay videos, nothing along those lines. Instead, readers subscribe for authentic, in-depth coverage written by journalists who know their teams inside and out. Coverage will go beyond game recaps and trade speculation to provide smarter analysis and a deeper perspective about teams and the league. Subscribers have access to local and national content, 
and this is crazy, with more than 650 news stories published every week across all sports. 650. So again, I mean, subscribe now and be part of the future of sports journalism. Now, I told you about some of the great local talent, like Mark Caboli that I mentioned from the Steelers, but now they have a national guys. They have Jay Glazer. I mean, you guys all know Jay Glazer. Dane Brugler, Lindsey Jones, and a good friend of mine, Ross Tucker. Congrats, Ross, to adding, and congrats to The Athletic for adding Ross. Good stuff. So like I said, go to theathletic.com slash locked on NFL, all one word. That gives you 40% off your first year subscription. It's only $2.99 a month, something you just got to do. All right, we are now bringing in our locked on Jaguars expert, Zach Goodall. Much to discuss with the Jags. Zach, how are you? Doing good. Appreciate you having me on. Yeah, absolutely. And to pull back the curtain, we are recording this on a Sunday. Marquise Lee was taken off on a cart with a knee injury. Didn't look good. I mean, maybe when people are listening to this, we'll better news. But let's assume the worst and say that Lee's out for the year. I mean, do you think that's where we're leaning right now? I'd say definitely. The pain mm-hmm. he looked to be in was very bad. The way his knee bent didn't look good at all. I saw, I think it was Pro Football Doc, used to be, I think with the Chargers and a couple of other teams, came out and said his guess would be that there were multiple ligaments that were torn wow. in his leg. The natural guess being the ACL. Um, not good. I mean, not good. Marquise Lee isn't the most special receiver, but he fits exactly what this offense wants. And he just signed a four-year contract extension in March. So this is definitely not ideal for him or the team. Yeah, I mean, for those that don't remember, the Jags let Alan Hearns go. They let Alan Robinson go for bigger money than these guys and for different reasons. Mm-hmm. Not that it was a knock on Robinson. But they chose to keep Lee. And like you said, he was a better fit. I mean, I, I looked at him right now as their number one receiver. They gave, mm-hmm. also gave Dante Moncrief pretty big money, alarmingly big money in my opinion, and they have some young guys. So if Lee's out of the equation, how do you foresee the wide receiver situation? Uh, that's the thing is that they've often said they don't have a number one receiver and they like it like that. However, just when you look at the targets, you look at the fit in the offense and the experience, Marquise Lee was definitely that number one guy. So they might like it like that, but they probably wouldn't mind it. Odell Beckham or Julio Jones either. Oh, especially (laughs) right guy that they can just throw it up to like what Allen Robinson used to do. Um, I think we'll see a lot of growth out of the second year guys. Keelan Cole, he was a deep threat last year that's shown off a lot of growth as a route runner throughout camp. He's been making plays all over the field. I think we'll see him line up outside in the slot. Uh, just he'll be, he'll be their guy that they really lean on to stretch the field. Dee Westbrook's come along as a possession guy really well, and I actually really like his fit. It reminds me of Lee's game, and it reminds me of also Alan Hearns as the former Jaguars receiver that you mentioned. Mm-hmm. So I think both of them, if they can continue the growth that they've shown throughout camp in the preseason, will fill in just fine. The expectations will be high for a guy you mentioned in Dante Moncrief because suddenly he's got the most experience on this team. And considering his injury history, it's kind of hard to say that he's the most experienced guy, but he is at this point. 
And it'll also put a lot of pressure on rookie DJ Chark. He's had an impressive preseason in training camp as well. There were thoughts that he'd need some time to really grow into this offense and develop as a receiver because he was far from polished coming out of LSU. But he's done well. Now the pressure will be on for him to perform in games. He's going to be getting a lot more playing time. Yeah, well said. And Moncrief has certainly flashed over his career. And Chark's a second-round pick. And Westbrook has a lot of... I mean, these guys have ability. They have upside collectively. I also think, even before this injury, Fournette's you know, role as a receiver was bound to grow. I mean, even mm-hmm. not like he's running receiver routes, but dump-offs, easy throws. And I'm not the biggest Safarian Jenkins fan, but he's also in the mix, too. Right, yeah. They actually have started to work with Fournette more as a receiver. Um, there are bad flashbacks to the AFC Championship game on a wheel route he ran that he just kind of gave up on the route on what should have probably been a score. So I think there's been a lot of work done to develop him as a receiving back. They run a lot of these short West Coast type of plays, these play action, and then they dump off underneath to the running back. That's where you'll see a lot of Corey Grant, actually, where he can flash his speed and TJ Eldon as a solid receiver. But they're working with Fournette on that as well. I actually even noticed him line up at receiver once or twice against the Vikings, which was kind of interesting. Um, Safarian Jenkins will be the red zone guy because they just don't really have that type of guy that can go up and get the ball in the red zone like Safarian Jenkins unless they decide to keep an undrafted free agent, Alan Lazard, which I don't see happening at this point, but he's the only guy that offers the intangibles to be that type of receiver. So like you said, there's a lot of potential. There's a lot of like room for these guys to grow and be very good. It's just none of them truly seem to be too polished or proven yet. So it's, it's a bit of a wild card. Yeah, yeah, I 100% agree. And I've been kind of pegging the Jags as a regression candidate for a couple reasons. That schedule's way harder this year. They're Mm -hmm. not sneaking up on anybody. The defense was unbelievably healthy last year. That's unlikely to occur. But more than those aspects, I just think the passing game rules today's NFL and hiding your quarterback or being a lackluster pass offense is going to come back to roost. I mean, you're not going to be up 14 nothing in games all the time like you were last year. And, of course, that brings us to Blake Bortles, who struggled the other night as well. And I'm curious what your thoughts are on him. And to me, I would be calling the Jets and at least kicking the tires on Teddy Bridgewater, who I don't love, but at least gives you another option. So... I think they're going to stick with Bortles, whether it's the right decision or not. I think they're going to stick true to their guns because, I mean, otherwise they wouldn't have re-signed him this offseason. But he is Dave Caldwell's precious little jewel, even though I wouldn't really consider him to be a jewel. (laughs) (laughs) Or precious. (laughs) But, um, I mean, I think they do still like what he has to offer because they – what. The way they want to do this is I think last night's game was a perfect example of what they want to do. They – had 405 total yards on offense and the first team itself at halftime put up like 250 of those yards and they only scored 17 points in the entire game and I think that's what they want their identity to be with this defense and with this running game to where yes they are hiding Blake and that's not ideal to have to hide your quarterback in today's league but I think they like how they're doing it because it's sort of unique at this point teams aren't you know, as heavy on the run game as they were in the past with it being such a pass heavy league that it's a little bit, you know, teams aren't used to defending this. They just, they do have to bank on the injury luck that they had, which is hard, 
hard to ask of them to do that. But I think that's why they went in filled voids at, um, you know, depth at safety, depth at defensive line with at the draft this year with Mm -hmm. Taven Bryan, Ronnie Harrison. They've got they're starting to build a strong amount of depth that these guys will be developed into the future of the team. So if Calais Campbell or Malik Jackson goes down this year, they can plug in Taven Bryan as well as some other guys there and they might not have the same amount of dominance, but they shouldn't be missing too much either with that development. And I think with that, you know, like you said, the schedule's tough. The injury luck won't be the same. I think they can repeat their record of 10 and six, which I, I definitely see as improvement because the schedule being so much harder and all these factors. So if you're repeating the same record with extra hard amount of factors coming in your face, I'd say there's definitely solid improvement, but I'm also not banking on them being, the 13 and three, 12 and four team that a lot of people are starting to project for them. Yeah. Excellent points. And I, I agree with the majority of it for sure. Um, you know, another note on the, building that young defensive depth is a problem. The Jags haven't had in the past is around the corner where the salary cap's going to start to matter soon. You know, it's not going to be monopoly mm-hmm. money anymore that these guys are all going to be paid and you know, they've spent and spent and spent and they haven't had to deal with those issues so I think guys like Brian could be Malik Jackson's heir apparent sooner than people think, you know, especially on the defensive side of the ball. The defensive linemen are very expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Um, they've been working Brian actually a lot at defensive end and tackle. So right. I'm curious as to who he'll replace. He will be in, ending up replacing either Calais Campbell or Malik Jackson in the future. Once those guys are cleared, you're talking about a lot of savings just from one of those guys alone. Mm-hmm. I think Marcel Darius is in his last year in Jacksonville, and that's a $10 million cap hit right now. Barry Church with Ronnie Harrison being drafted, and Harrison's flashed everything you need him to flash this preseason. He looks so far ahead of where people thought he'd be. Therefore, I think Barry Church will be gone next year. That's another $6 million. I think the team has really built these contracts well to front load them in clear cap and the timing of when they've selected these depth guys as the future of the team has been just it's been really great timing. So they've put themselves in a decent situation where they have the flexibility to let guys go and bring in these young guys. It's just all going to depend now on how these guys develop if it goes to plan. This is going to be a real real solid showing to the coaching of this team in the next 2 or 3 years. Yeah, and Harrison was a gift. I mean, he should have been a second-round pick. I don't know how he fell in the draft. I mean, that that made no sense to me. And he's showing all that. Brian is just a really, really athletic dude. And I agree with you that he's more Calais Campbell than he is, you know, Malik Jackson. And Campbell's like the ideal role model for him. And I think they'll line him up all over the line of scrimmage. So this rookie class could certainly bear fruit, you know, and Chark might have to step up now, too. It's an interesting. It is an interesting dynamic. Definitely, and yeah, that's that's just going to be the thing is how these guys develop, and if they're able to develop at the pace that the team wants them to, then they've got the ability to start clearing cap within the next year or two. Because, like you said, the cap is going to start coming up on them. Mm-hmm. They also have guys like Jalen Ramsey and Yannick Ngakwe, Miles Jack to pay within the next year or two. So it's going to be a very small timetable that they need to hit on all of these things that they're trying to do. It's going to be really, really interesting to watch. Yeah, Ramsey's going to be pretty expensive. (laughs) (laughs) No doubt. People have been talking him up as potentially the first $100 million corner, and if he's given that fifth-year option and they wait on it, I could definitely see that. Yeah, I I don't disagree. 
Guys, uh, or Zach, please tell everyone where they can find you. Obviously, the Locked on Jaguars podcast. Um, what's your Twitter? Thanks so much for joining us. This was a blast. We'll do it again for sure. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on. You guys can find me on Twitter at Zach underscore Goodall. That is spelled C-H, the right way to spell Zach. <laughs> <laughs> uh, everything over at Locked on Jaguars, doing some work, um, obviously covering them. I've been out at camp this year. Um, all my work with the Jags can be found there, as well as some other stuff. I cover the UCF Knights, going to have some stuff coming up there soon, as well as the Orlando Magic at Orlando Magic Daily. Cool. Very cool. Well, thanks again. Appreciate you having me. <laughs> All right, we are continuing the local experts on the biggest story series here with Nick Ashu. Did I say that right? I'm to make sure I pronounced your name properly. Oh, you got it. Well, close enough. Ashu, Ashu. Ashu okay. is the way, yeah, look, let me tell you something, man. My entire life has been people pronouncing my name and used to it. If you sneeze, it sounds close <laughs> enough. It rhymes with cashew. I just, I could have changed it when I got into this business. I decided not to, so I got to deal with consequences, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's cool with me. Nick is our Locked On Redskins expert, and I urge you to check that podcast out, especially if you are an AF or NFC East fan or, of course, a Redskins fan. Nick, how's it going? How's, uh, how's the podcast doing? What else are you in- involved in? I mean, it's been great. Yeah, it's been fun. I've only been, you know, part of the network for a few weeks, but we've seen a ton of growth. I, there's a lot of built-in, uh, you know, audience already, which is good considering what the Locked On Podcast Network really is. So it was nice to kind of get in there and have some people already ready to go uh, to listen. But it's been great. I mean, it's such a unique concept. That's why I wanted to be a part of it, being able to do something daily like this. And look, I mean, when it's the Redskins, you know, there is there is certainly an audience, I can tell you, being in D.C., where people care about the Redskins on a daily basis, especially doing, you know, sports talk radio and TV in this market, too. I mean, and it's it's what people are hungry for. So yeah, I'm on. I'm with 106.7 The Fan as well. Host evenings cool. and weekends there. And then on NBC Sports Washington, do some TV for them as well, and some writing for the website. So yeah, I'm all over the place. But let Absolutely. me tell you something: it is always Redskins, man. Yeah, very cool. It's an interesting year for the Skins. I mean, well, it's an interesting time. And I what I want to say about that is two new additions. I really want to stress on this little conversation we're having. Of course, is Adrian Peterson, but also the first round pick Payne. Let's start on defense, because it was not a great performance, to say the least, against Denver. But I'm really encouraged with Payne as a do-it-all, modern-day nose tackle type. Yeah, look, everybody's really excited about him, including the coaching staff. We had a scare at the beginning of training camp where, you know, he had that, he stepped on someone's foot, hurt his ankles out a couple of weeks, and it became one of these things where, I mean, if you, I don't know how much you remember the Redskins season. Last year, uh, they were just, oh, the injuries was insane. Destroyed. So that's, everybody's always on pins and needles right now with anything injuries. And I look, I get it. Like, you know, this, like there's obviously injuries with every team. It's football. The guys are huge and they run into each other and they smack into each other. And it's like a car accident. That being said, I mean, the Redskins, there was a point last year where the offensive line, they didn't have enough guys to just practice. It was just, it was that bad in terms of injuries and I think Kirk Cousins met his starting center one week in the locker room be- right before the game because they just had to sign somebody off the street it was a disaster <laughs> right. so everybody everybody's always concerned about that so Deron Payne luckily it wasn't anything more than you know just let's be precautious it's early on in training camp I mean he looked great and the Redskins defensive line was terrible they were last against the run last year they allowed 134 yards per game on the ground they were a disaster and we've been begging 
begging for them to work on this defensive line for a while. And now we have really, as long as they stay healthy, which is always the caveat to really anything in the NFL, with Deron Payne, you know, Jonathan Allen there, Matt Ioannidis is another guy that really came on last year, but also dealt with some injuries. There are a lot of players, and even, heck, a name people may not even remember, Phil Taylor, who's been out of the right. NFL for three years, a former first-round pick, but has been injured, was going to be the starting nose tackle for them last year before he tore his quad and missed the year. I mean, he may be part of this defensive line as well. They've got a lot of talent there now, and it's young, and if it can stay healthy, Deron Payne being added to that list with guys like I mentioned before, there is tremendous potential for that to be one of the strengths of this team. It was absolutely their weakness last year. Yeah, including the outside edge guys, I do think the the defensive front is going to be very much a strength. What would you say is their biggest area of concern, though, on defense? Uh, I'm, I'm still really concerned when it comes to the cornerback position just because yeah. they're so they're young. I mean, look, Josh Norman, by the way, got beat for two 40-yard passes against Denver. I mean, he got smoked. Now, you, you might look at it and say, well, Josh Norman doesn't care about preseason, so he's not going to go all out fine. But I look at that and say a guy that had some issues last year in terms of coverage and also somebody that I don't get as concerned about the interception numbers as other people because there's also times where if a corner is not being targeted, he's not being targeted. But Denver went after him, and he got beat a couple of times on some bad plays. Uh, and then the rest of that, Quentin Dunbar is a guy that used to be a receiver. He's now their number two corner, and he's got a lot of potential. He's got a lot of talent, and he's got a lot of size, but he's still somebody that's learning the position. And then you trade Kendall Fuller in the offseason as part of the Alex Smith trade. Everybody loved Kendall Fuller. He was a guy that came on in his second year as the slot corner where you say, this is what we expected out of him. Struggled a little bit his rookie year, but was coming off of an injury. Dropped a little bit in the draft. So Fabian Moreau is now the next guy that's supposed to be what Kendall Fuller was. Stepping in in his second year. Struggled a little bit in his first year. Dropped in the draft some. Going to step in as the slot corner now. Danny Johnson is a name that's interesting, though, for them. Because he's an undrafted rookie that has been so impressive in camp. It's part of the reason why the Redskins decided to cut Orlando Skandrick. There were other reasons to stop that, too. He wasn't happy there. It wasn't really working. But they really like this kid, Danny Johnson, who is absolutely going to not only make this team, but maybe be a significant contributor to them. But it, then it speaks to the same thing with them, where they're young. They've certainly got some talent in that secondary. The cornerback position could grow in being something that's a strength for them. But it, to me right now, it's an absolute weakness just because of all the question marks and the lack of experience after Josh Norman. Yeah, and I do, you kind of insinuated this, but I slightly fear that Josh Norman ain't what he used to be either, you know? And Yeah, and it's funny, a lot of people really blamed or looked at, you know, what Carolina's defense was and the fact that they could get to the quarterback, which obviously takes the pressures off of, you know, the pressure off of a cornerback, and it's it may be starting to rear its head now. And look, there are a lot of people that were saying the Redskins should have released him in the offseason. They weren't going to do that, but if he has a poor year this year, this may be his last year in Washington. Yeah, I can see that. Um Peterson, is he what he used to be? I mean, I was blown away with how he looked in this this past game. He doesn't catch the ball well, never did, never will. But, you know, the Redskins lead backs of late. Maybe they stress that skill less than other teams. I mean, Geis wasn't known for his receiving skill. I don't think Kelly's much of a receiver. Matt Jones was okay at best. I mean, so, and they have Chris Thompson to do that role. I was blown away by how good Peterson looked. And you mentioned the offensive line. For those that don't know, the Football Outsiders metrics, this was the most injured team in the league last year, led by the offensive line injuries. I think that's a really good group when they're healthy. Yeah, when they when they early on last season were healthy and together, they were at least a very good offensive line. Yeah. I wouldn't necessarily put to be great necessarily, but we saw the potential. Left can still kind of be an issue with Sean Laval and whether or not that's going to be something that's a weakness this year. A lot of people were surprised the Redskins brought him back 
back and didn't really address it with anybody else. But yeah, look, I mean, let me tell you this. Everybody was excited to see Adrian Peterson run the ball the way that he did because, good Lord, the Redskins have not been able to run the ball in years. And they thought Matt Jones a couple of years ago, they just decided to anoint him the starting running back without any real evidence that he could be. And then that failed epically very quickly for them. Hey, look, it's you have to temper your expectations a little bit if you watch the way the Redskins were on first down uh, against the Broncos. They, Jay Gruden loves to run the ball on first down, and they haven't been successful on first down, and they weren't very good running the ball on first down with Adrian Peterson. I think he only averaged 2.4 yards a carry on first down in the time that he was out there. Now, it's a small sample size overall, but considering the rest of what the Redskins have, that's as good as it's going to get right now. Adrian Peterson is still the best that they have right now. He's not going to go out there and run the ball 25 times a game, and if anybody expects it, they're, they're crazy, but it was at least... It was a bright spot for them in a situation that was supposed to be Darius Geis back there. You lose the guy that's supposed to be your number one back for the season. This is a good bridge. This is a good band-aid for them right now. Is he going to be somebody that's the old Adrian Peterson? No way. And and look, I'll tell you this because we've had people call into the show here in D.C. and there are people that are crazy enough to think that he's going to run for like 1,400 yards. They're <laughs> psychopaths. I don't know why they want to think that, but they need to maybe stop drinking. I'm not sure what's going on, but there are Redskins fans that will certainly believe that. Adrian Peterson will help. The biggest question for me is whether or not he can stay healthy for the entire season. And the Redskins will likely, look, they've got Chris Thompson in the backfield for third downs. He's dynamic pass catcher out of the backfield, but they have to temper their expectations with him because of injury concerns as well. So they're going to be rotating backs on this team, which can help Adrian Peterson in that sense, as long as he's okay with accepting that role and it doesn't turn into something like it was in New Orleans, where he's like, I'm not getting enough touches, and then it becomes a problem. Yeah, very well said. Um, I do think he'll lead the, assuming health with everyone, I do think he'll be the, the Redskins leading rusher. And you mentioned, you know, you just want him to stay healthy. I'll, t- I'll take it a step further and say, I want him to look like that or close to it two months from now. You know, I, I don't want to see a worn down, beat up older dude. And we'll see. I mean, if anyone can buck the trends, it's him. I mean, he's a freak of nature. And that's the thing. I mean, remember when he had his ACL surgery and it they went in and opened his knee up and we're like what is this this is a normal human knee like he's just <laughs> right. not he's, he's not, not like human that. in that sense the, he's still built like a, I mean he's built like a Greek god so there's certainly somebody that's physically built to still play the game of football at 33 at the running back position it's definitely Adrian Peterson to at least a, a, a very competitive degree yeah absolutely and that concludes our uh, local experts chat today for a Monday on the Locked On NFL podcast check me out at Williamson NFL Nick where can they find you on Twitter at Nick Ashew, very simple. A-S-H-O-O-H, just for those of you that are looking. All right, thanks again, Nick. The this was a blast. <laughs> <laughs> this was a blast. Over and out, folks. We have Sage Rosenfels joining me tomorrow on the show. Take care.